Hey, Rockheads. If you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's not just good for programming. It's also great for kids doing homework. It's great for reading, great for writing, anything that requires your concentration. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments at mtcb.pwop.com. That's mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1233, with guest Tamir Drescher. Recorded Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015. Welcome to .NET Rocks, I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And we're at the Azure World Tour in Tel Aviv, Israel. Here we are. Yes. We're out Welcome in a, Israel. Out in a boomy hall, an echoey hall. Sorry about that. I'm not. I'm glad I'm here. Well, I'm glad I'm here, too. But it's going to be tough for the recording. Yeah. Uh, Tamir Drescher is here. We're going to be talking to him about React, reactive extensions, rather, uh, in just a few minutes. But first, let's kick off the music to Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? You know, I always wanted a button that I could program. You love buttons. Do, I love buttons. <laughs> and, and when you think about it, isn't modern life all about pushing the right buttons at the right time? At the right times, yes. I'm gonna, I swear I'm going to write a book about, called Buttons. Buttons. My life in buttons. Because <laughs> if you push the right button at the right time, people, you're a genius. The world gets better. Right. And I'm talking about the keys on your keyboard, you coders out there. You Azure people, the things that you click on, you click the right buttons at the right time. Genius. <laughs> click the wrong buttons at the right time. You're an idiot. You click the right buttons at the wrong time, still stupid. <laughs> but you get that magic combination, clicking the right buttons at the right time, you can rule the world. Awesome. So I, I was uh, back to Kickstarter called Flick. Flick. F-L-I-C. Okay. And I have one of these right here. It's just a little button Looks that like connects button. with Bluetooth. It's really light. Yep. It's got a sticky on the back. It's got a battery that lasts five years. Nice. It's just a regular, you know, uh, round coin battery, I guess they call them. Yep. And I'm just going to press it and see what happens here. It's a button. What is it going to do? Well, I don't know. What, is your phone doing anything right now? I got a text from you. Yeah. Awesome. So it worked. Yeah. So I have this button programmed through my phone to send an emergency text to Richard that says, hey, dude, what's up? You know, so, but here's the cool thing. So you can program anything into this button. You can program the button to do anything. It's a Bluetooth, connects to your phone. From there, you can do something like locate my phone, which plays a big alarm on your phone so you never lose it. Yep. Uh, It could send an emergency SMS. It could send an email. It could send a tweet. Whatever. It's even got, and this is for developers, an HTTP request. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I can build a service out there. Yeah. You call that service. You could order yourself a pizza. I could order pizza. I could make a pizza <laughs> button. You could have a pizza button. Press the right button at the right time, and you're a genius, is what you I'm could, saying. You could make a button that FedEx packages says, don't press that button again. That's right. <laughs> 
It'd take a week for you to know, but at least you'd know. Think of the fun you can have I'm, with programmable buttons. That's hilarious. All right, All right so bud. go to Flick, that's F-L-I-C dot I-O. And I think you can just buy them now, because I got mine from my Kickstarter. I oh, think right. you can buy them. So now they're just in stock. How much are they? Do you know? Jeez, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah I can't. Kickstarter is a different price anyway, so there's right. no way to know for sure. Yeah. Cool, man. I love it. All right. What do we got? Who's Grab, talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 1134, the one we did with Aaron Standard, where we talked about the release of ACA.net, you know, talking reactive and things That's like right. that. Yeah. I got a ton of comments about that. People are really yeah. excited about, about ACA. This particular comment comes from Alessandro. And it says, uh, hi, Carl and Richard, and of course, Aaron. Uh, interesting so as usual. At, just after I started listening, I wondered if, even though it's not the main purpose of the actor model, ACA.net might be used for the tedious plumbing task of sending messages from the background threads to the main thread for UI update. In many applications, it's a recurring problem, and depending on the platform, whether it's desktop application or mobile and so on, you need to come up with a slightly different solution. Yeah. Being able to use a standard tool will be very useful. At the end of the show, my dream came true as Aaron suggested this scenario as not a typical but feasible one to do. So thank you. I'll start experimenting with ACA.net, tackling this very problem, and I'm sure I'll find other problems to solve with this useful framework. Is ACA.net available for the Xamarin and Android platform? Huh. And Aaron responded, he said, we have exactly that example, and send him a link to the example, but he said, not available for Xamarin yet, we're looking at it, mm -hmm. uh, but it's... You know, it's an interesting idea for multiplayer games on phones and things like that, because it's the actor model, right? It's great for that. Yeah, sure. So all of those things are in the works. Awesome. Uh, so, Alessandra, I hope your questions got answered. Thanks so much for your cool comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of the social media. We post every show to Google Plus and Facebook. If you comment there, we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And, of course, we tweet. Richard is at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. We'd love to hear from you. So let me introduce our guest sitting right here with us. It's Tamir Drescher. He's a senior software architect at Code Value. A prominent member of Israel's Microsoft programming community, Tamir has trained hundreds of developers to use reactive extensions. And you got a book now, right? Yeah, I got a book. And is it like almost done? What's the status it's of it? It's almost done. It's uh, currently at the Early Access Program by Manning. Okay. So that's uh, Manning? That's Manning, Yeah, right? so they, their MEEP program is really cool, the way yeah. they make, sort of let you be part of a book being built if it's a subject you really care about. Yeah, exactly that. The community can be involved and suggest topics and also check that I'm writing the good a material. Good book. A good book. Have exactly. you been influenced by your readers so far? Like have people yeah. asked you things that have changed the way you're planning your book? Yeah, out? absolutely. Even in the first chapter, which is free, there was a diagram that I thought was very understood, but readers said that maybe something can be different. So we changed this uh, uh, diagram to be something that is maybe easier to digest. Okay. So nice. this is the response that we get and we try to do uh, and respond immediately as we can yeah. to be reactive. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I understand. Uh, what's the name of the book, by the Reactive way? Reactive Extensions in Action. All right. And so your goal, if I understand correctly, was to provide some real-world samples exactly. about this. You know, you want to show Reactive Framework not just, you know, simple examples, but something a little more substantial. Yeah. Tell us about some of the examples that so, you have. Yeah, so I wanted to show simple examples, right. but I wanted to show it in, in really in a context and in uh, really put it in action, actually. So I'm trying to show all the different parts of reactive extension and uh, really the, the concepts that people assume to be something but can be different. A example of that is maybe joining 
of um, of uh, observables right right reactive extension yeah. is made out of observables and observers so one of the things that we sometimes want to do is to join like the join that we accustomed to in databases and collections right but when we talk about the reactive role joining observables is uh, the meaning is that we want to take each element that is being emitted and start a window a time frame that suggest this element existence so if we have mm-hmm. these multiple observables and something can happen while some uh, uh, element was emitted and its lifespan happened so how do we do that so this is a really hard topic to people to understand you know what you want to do right but how exactly to do it so scenario for that can be that you have like a, a tall highway when yeah. cars need to enter and You want to know about cars that are at the same time on the road. Yep. Maybe you want to do some aggregation. Maybe you want to do some statistics. So we can look at maybe at a car that is entering the tall highway as an event that is happening. And until the point the car is leaving, we can say this is the time window. Right. So we have all those notifications that is happening. And we can start to make like the correlations between cars. And this can be expressed by other observables. Okay. So eventually you will get something that is really uh, declarative and concise. You can say the car enter observable joined to car leaving uh, observable yeah. or right. other car. And you can say that uh, the time window for this car is another observable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And express at the, res- at the end of this query that if I got the two cars at the same time together, I can maybe create some kind of a report for right. my users. And we do it with only a few lines of code. This is the amazing thing to me, and that it's really a different way of thinking about programming, isn't it, when you, once you use React? Exactly. Because this is the kind of stuff that we would just have to, any time you have a cause and effect, you know, right. when this happens, and this happens, and this object is in this state, and whatever, do that. You know, that can be expressed just with one line, one big line of code, can it? Right, so, so the concept of reactive programming that is really interesting by itself Look at the world as like variables that we know from programming, mm. but we look at the variables not something that has a value but is a set of values right it's yeah. actually a source of changes. This yeah. is how we look at it nice. so I now like that. source of changes a source mm. of changes so now we can create a kind of a pipeline of data flows that says that this observable is really some kind of a result of both of the other observables. Yeah. So if we took the most simple example, let's say that we have A and we have B, two variables, and we want to sum them together, together C, yeah. some variable C. So in the, in the standard and traditional programming, once C was set, its value is fixed until the next time. Mm. But if A or B changes, nothing really happens. Right. So in the reactive world, we can say that A as a source of changes and B as a source of changes, they produce a new Uh, observable when they are summed together, so this C yeah. variable becomes an observable that every time a change happens, C is changing. So just imagine, for instance, the UI that you uh, just mentioned, reactive UI. Mm, right. So we can express all the different parts of our UI as observables and combine them together to achieve really in a really simple and concise way, what is the relation between the different parts of my UI? Right. Because We know from example, all the XAML-based uh, applications and technologies like WPF or mm. other things, we have this 
a concept of, um, of notify property change. We sure. know about independence in properties, sure. right? Yeah. But if I have a property now that is somehow related to other properties, then things became a little harder. You need yes. to, by yourself, do it. Yeah, so, you have to all jump all these hoops now, sort of gather up that data at the moment you need it. Exactly. And you need to know that if this property changed and it has some relation to another property, yeah. right, that together form some other thing inside my UI. Let's say we have the first name and the last name. We need that one of them changes. I want to change other part of my application. Yeah. So usually what developers tend to do is inside the property of the first name, there is also the event of change yeah. about the last name property. Right. Yeah. And you don't see the full picture. Right. And yeah. basically, Reactive Extension allows you to create this big picture and really what you wanted to do, the declarative way to say that this, let's say, full name is a result of first name and last name. Yeah. They right. just say it, right. just like this. Yeah. So we have Reactive UI, for instance. This is a framework that allows to do it for WPF or other XAML-based application. But you can do it in every place in your application. Sure. Mm -hmm. So this sure. really changed the picture. And once you start to think about your application as these sources of change and the relations, things can become really easier to implement. Oh, God, yeah. And you know, I'm just thinking of the lines of code that I've written and the number of lines of code that I've written just to do that kind of stuff. You know, here's a hint. If you've got timers, if you've got you're timers, in hell. If you've got <laughs> timers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, you're pulling out some old school stuff, Oh, dude. you know, that's what people do. Yeah, that's what we had to do. That's what we had to do. You have a timer that, you know, on, a, on an interval goes and looks at these variables and sees what they are, and then the magic combination happens, you fire off some other process or whatever. That, that stuff just goes away. Exactly, because we really um, are accustomed to thinking in a pool-based yes. yep. programming. You go and check something, and if it changes or if it really has the certain condition that you want, then you do something. And you need to do it on all the, verses, all the various uh, sources. So yeah. the push just changes the responsibility and put it on the source side. And mm -hmm. Reactive Extension really make a good abstraction layer on those timers, which is called the schedulers. Yeah. And then what you get is that you can really parameterize and control the concurrency in your application. So you can do all kind of crazy things. So you can say that Something can start at a specific uh, execution context, like one thread, mm -hmm. and then move to another thread, and then to move to another. And yeah. then you get to UI, then you want to serialize it on the dispatcher. But you do it in a one flow that you can really read. Yeah. Where does uh, Link come into play Right. Reactive? So if you look at Reactive Extension as the, the layers that really it is made of, so we can say we have those building blocks, what the observables and observers and subjects, mm -hmm. and we have those schedulers that I mentioned, and in between, or something that right on it, it's the link operators that we know. So if we look at collections, we know that if we have some kind of a query we want to do with the where and select, right. Right, it goes on every element, pull it, and check the condition and transform the, the, the element mm -hmm. and move on. So we can do the same things with Reactive Extension. Only now, when the element is emitted, when a notification is emitted, it will go through the flow of those link operators. Okay. So I can write the same thing. I can write, I have a source that before might have been a collection, yep. and I want to do a where on this collection. A filter. Now, yep. A filter, yep. right. And I want to do a select, which is map in 
it depends on the, the reactive ex extension technology that you use, actually. Yeah. But you can use also in .NET, you can still use map and, and filter. Mm -hmm. And so you can write those queries. You can write the same query syntax approach with all the clauses that query syntax allows us to do in standard mm -hmm. code and just reach our goal. Right. And we have a lot of operators. Now, one thing that we get in reactive extension with those operators that doesn't exist in the traditional link is the time-based operations. Because when we work with collection, we assume that the collection was fixed to the point that we query it. Yeah. We have this set of values that we want to query. Right. With reactive extension, things happen along the time. You don't right. know. Observables can be endless. Right. I mean, there's, right. there's, there's streams of data. Right? Exactly. They're, they're there are streams moving. of data. And you're basically saying, you know, when these conditions are true, do that. I mean, it's essentially what you're saying right. in a declarative way. So one thing that you could do, for instance, is that you want to say that I don't want to react to each notification that is emitted. I want to wait a short period of time between notifications, and only if nothing happened in this duration of time, then I want to proceed with this notification. Wow, okay. Yeah. Absence of action. Right. Yeah, that's a hard thing to codify. Sure. It's a hard thing to think about. Yeah, and right. if you need to do it in multiple places in your code, in your class, right, basically you start to add all those timers, and then you need to really control them. Yep. So with reactive extension, you can simply say throttle. I want to add a throttling in this part of my query mm -hmm. and just specify the period of time that you want to wait before allowing those elements to proceed. So this is one way to really mitigate some problems that we sometimes have when we deal with a push-based application, right. uh, what is called the back pressure. Because once you start to handle sources and a nice thing about reactive extension is that you get the abstraction. You know of a source of notification. And basically, I don't really know when I'm consuming this observable if it's something that is connected to a remote, remote service, yep. right. to a, sens a sensor in my mobile device, mm -hmm. or maybe just a simple collection, actually. So I don't know what is the amount of information that is going to be pushed inside my, into my application. Right. What happens if the consumer react slower than the producer. If I get a bunch of sure. notification at right. a time, I might be floated. Yeah, so you might need I mean, they're queue. piling up, right? Exactly. So one thing to, that you can do is that you can say, OK, I don't want to react to every notification if it's coming really close to one to, to another. I can just throttle and just do it in a, a, a slower pace, yep. actually. Yeah. So You're slowing down the sample rate, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. So there are a few ways that we can really tackle it with reactive extension. We can do the throttling. We can do what is called debouncing, because throttling will only react if a certain amount of time happens. So all the things that happen in between, mm. actually only the last uh, notification will be yeah. reacted to. Hmm. Yeah. So we can take it to the other side. Maybe I want to start with the first one, and all the things that are coming afterwards in a short period of time, I want to ignore. Okay? Right. So this is called debounce. Right. We can do buffering over time and over uh, amount of elements. And this uh, way of handling those situations of, of back pressure is really valuable because I saw in many applications that you start to get these kind of scenarios when you didn't expect in advance that the rate that you would receive the notification and the traditional way to really react to, to notifications is by events. Right. So you have events 
popping from many places. Lots of them. Mm. Lots of them in a high rate. Now you need to start to synchronize them and really coordinating them. So with reactive extensions, by allowing this buffer operation that you can just add inside your query and just specify the amount of time that you want to really buffer those elements together, mm. you just add this line and that's it. Right. So it's really simple. So in one of the applications, for instance, uh, this was a chat messaging application. Mm -hmm. And this chat application had a source uh, that is, was pushing a lot of messages, a lot of chat messages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what happened in the code base, that uh, what was really the way the application handled it, the UI just froze because it got those notifications. Right, so many And the of them. UI always serialized them on the dispatcher. Yeah. Right. And we got so many chat messages, so the UI just froze. Yeah, yeah even if you're just throwing the messages out. The fact that they're being serialized is enough to tie up the thread, the, the UI thread. Exactly. Yeah. So, and thinking about how to resolve this issue with the traditional tools that we have, right? We needed to add maybe a timer that started to accumulate all those notifications, and even and if the amount of time that passed was a certain amount, then I want to proceed. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to do it every time. No. You only want to do it if there is a high rate. Sure. Right. So you want to control this buffering both by the time, both by the size, and both by the this rate. pattern yeah. of activation. So with, the, with reactive extension, you can just create an observable that specifies this pattern. And you just add the buffer uh, operator on your query and just specify, I want to buffer by this pattern that is represented by the observable. And it was so much easier to understand to the developer. Right, you can actually see what's going on. You can on. actually see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's reusable. Right. Because once you declare this. Once you this, solve that pattern, you should be able to insert it almost anywhere. Exactly. Which is a great thing that we get with Reactive Extension. And we get the community so much involved. We see a lot of movement and uh, people suggesting operators. And it's just being extended and extended. And this way, you really encapsulate the intention of your code. Right. And you can reuse it. And give it to the others, so it makes sure. a good point for the community to come and get involved. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Raygun Pulse. You know about Raygun, that error in crash reporting software? Well, they've just launched Pulse. It's a real user monitoring product that gives you real-time performance data and user insights, letting you understand exactly what's happening when users interact with your software. Never be left guessing. Raygun provides you with the answers to your performance questions. Having found over 10 billion bugs in customer apps with their crash reporting product, Raygun now lets you understand application quality like no one else. Over 30,000 developers worldwide can't be wrong. Try it out today with a no-risk 30-day free trial. Check them out at raygun.io. I can imagine that uh, Reactive would be great for an Internet of Things project. Right. Because you've got so much data coming in, so many states changing all the time. Exactly. Just um, as, a, as an example, the, the Flickr, yeah. right? Flick. 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 So How fast you say you push that button? You wanted to say that, <laughs> right, but it can be an emergency, right? Yeah, sure. right. Emergency call. But if I'm now creating an application that needs to react to the, this uh, emergency call, right. Maybe some other aspects that are happening, let's say I know the GPS location, right? And GPS location mm -hmm. is changing all the time. Yep. And 
let's say that we know by the GPS location that you entered something that is, let's say, a dangerous place. Yeah. Right? So we can specify really easily, okay, so this uh, uh, location in emergency place, in a, in, in a dangerous place, is an observable. Right. And we have the buttons that are pressed as another observable. Mm. And we can correlate the two together really easily. Right? Sure. So once we have all those sources as IoT devices and sensors, we can start making those things and, and really evolve our application based on those cases and use cases. Well, yeah. and, and I think you're speaking nicely to one of the challenges we have when we think about Internet of Things, which is there's too much data coming in. Right. All these objects are being tracked all of the time with all of this GPS data. You can't give it equal priority. You've right. defined a box that says, in this space, this is a dangerous area. So this data should be scrutinized more closely. Like, this is what, something you want to watch for. Now you can add additional observables in that context. I think the big thing here is just giving it priority, saying this stuff will be inherently more important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those patterns that really mean something in your application. Right. So I can also imagine a, the, the, the problem scenario of just when all that data is coming in, you know, it's going into some data store somewhere and then you're constantly querying it and pulling it out. You know, how does that, uh, is the performance and the scalability aspect of it the same or different when you're using reactive versus if you were just pulling it yourself? Well, like everything, it depends, right? right. Sure. But the nice thing that uh, if we look at a reactive extension, and we, we can really see different patterns of users. Okay, so one example of users is let's say that this chat application. Okay, mm. we want to give a good reaction to the user entering the chat room. Right. So we want to store some of the latest messages into a persistent data store. Okay. Right. And we also want to listen to messages that are coming. So observables are kind of an abstraction on a source. Nobody said if the source really came from a persistent layer. Right. So, but once you go in this direction, what you can do is that you can now create a method that instead of returning an enumerable mm. that will take time to produce, you can just return the observable. And now you can, in concurrent way, go and fetch the, the data from the database. Mm. And you can go and register to the calls of those messages and maybe register on another source mm. and just push those messages on the observable and react as fast as you can. Mm. So if I have a cache and I have something that needs to come from maybe a remote store, mm. right? The, the observer itself doesn't need to know. We can start to really compete between the two sources. So we have a, an operator for that in, in reactive extension mm -hmm. called AMB, ambiguity, right. that you can specify a bunch of sources. And the first to respond is the first to take over. Right. Okay. So that wins. This, right. So this is a great, great uses in when we have something like multiple servers that we want to connect to, but we don't know exactly where the user, what is the, uh, the closest region. Right. Yeah. So we can start a negotiation with, the first, with all those servers. And yeah. the first to react, we say, OK, this is the closest one. That's and great. Hang time was lowest. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so we get the possibility to do it and the simplicity in the That's easy. What I like about that approach is now you're not like maintaining a table of here's who's closer, who's further, anything. It's like yeah. who responded first. That's there might great. be a service that was closer, but isn't up. Right. And so yeah. it didn't respond, or it's buried, so it responded slowly. And the one that's further away, but not as busy, actually came in sooner. Brilliant, actually. Right. That's hugely powerful. It's a very dynamic 
very real way to figure out who should we use. Right, right. So those are a lot of cases that you can see inside application. We can see now methods that instead of returning collection, we return observables and give right. it the pushway. And also is a really good way to connect between layers inside an application, right? Because in a layered architecture, you have the topmost layer going to the next layer and the next layer, mm -hmm. right? And some of the layers need to maybe notify on things that are happening yeah. to the top, right? right? So doing that with events is possible, and we did it many years. Yes, we have done it. Doesn't make it right. <laughs> no, it, it, it's what we had. Yes. This is what we had. This is what we had to work with. And then we saw all kind of cases that it's really hard to compose them. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to maintain, and it's really easy to neglect the registration to events, so mm -hmm. we get uh, memory leaks, memory leaks, you and lose we get, them. You lose them. Yeah. So just by uh, exposing the observable makes it so much easier because, as an example, let's say I'm making an application for rerunning a, a, a donation plan, right. okay? Mm -hmm. And people can donate, and we want to see the screen of every donation that comes. We want to see the details, mm -hmm. right? And maybe say thank you. Yep. And you also, you also want to see something that show the sum of all the donations that was collected in this session. Right. right. So you can expose from the layer that really maintain all this logic an observable of donation. Right. But now you have in your side your UI, you have two observers. One that wants to take this observable of donation and just sum. Right. Do a, we can use a scan operation that give us the sum Every time there's a notification, right. like an iterative summation. Mm -hmm. Gives us a new total mm -hmm. as new Every, items come in. Right. And we have another place that show all those uh, uh, donations in a list, right? Right. So it's the same observable, right? Different observers, but the power is now on the observer itself. It just took this source and just added its manipulation, right. its query on it. Yeah. And it's a really good way to connect between those layers. Mm -hmm. For sure. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Oh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah. Time to fix my flick-based laugh counter. <laughs> What's wrong with your flick-based laugh counter? Seems to be broken. <laughs> Every time you <laughs> click it, you don't get a laugh? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's but broken. No, no. I'm supposed to be counting the laughs that I get. Oh, but, I see. But I'm, my input source is running dry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. Oh, there's one. Nice. Okay. You got one. So you got one. one. That's you, There's right? One. Uh, I laugh at you all the time. <laughs> hey, uh, this is a good time to mention that we're going to Scotland. We are going to on Scotland. On a three-stop uh, tour. Yep. And uh, the, the name of this tour is Scotnet Rocks. Because David Christian is a genius. Yeah. <laughs> and you could learn about this at tinyurl.com slash scotnetrocks, S-C-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S. I can't believe that wasn't taken. Yeah. And uh, we're going to uh, Glasgow, Glasgow on the 18th yep. of January, Edinburgh on the 19th of yep. January, and Aberdeen on the 21st of no, January. The 21st. And then we're going to go buy scotch. Then we're going to go get drunk. Go get Actually, drunk. I think we'll probably be drunk the whole time. Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, great. So you can check that out. But right now, it's time to give away a music to code by... Uh, audio collection, all ten tracks. I got ten now. Ten, congratulations. Yeah. The new one, and the new one's really good. Yeah, the new one is really good. I'm so, I seem to be on to something here. I push the beat in the background so it's less distracting because, you know, I love the, the groove, right? Yeah, sure. But, you know, I made it a mono signal and pushed it in the background, gave it some reverb so it's just sort of 
back there, but there's more bass. I, I love that you're still learning on this. Yeah. It I'm, continues to evolve. I'm listening. I'm listening to what my fans want. That's cool. They want the beat in the back, they want more bass, and they want, you know, more ambience. So that's All right. where I'm going. That's number 10. What was the color? Uh, it's indigo. 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 Okay, good name. So we're going to give away a, uh, a Music to Code by collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And as I've been mentioning here, uh, actually... You yeah. said you, you were using uh, Music right. to Code By. So Music to Code By really helped me no writing kidding. the book. Yeah. So because that, that's the point, right? You need to get in the zone. Yeah. You need a way to concentrate. Yeah. And writing a book was so much difficult than I expected. <laughs> and you're not sure. done yet. And I'm not done yet. <laughs> and it seems that it's the hardest part now. I'm reaching the end now. So Are you using the Pomodoro technique as well? No, actually, no? because... The time for me to write a book is usually at, at the night, yeah. so I just want to continue uh, as much as I can. Uh, and so getting in this zone area mm. is something that you want to do fast. And yeah. so I, I really look for something that can help me concentrate and really help me to relax. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, kids and all. Yeah, so, yeah. So music to code by really was really helping me to get into this, this kind of, of mood. That's great. Yeah, so thank well, you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. And uh, if you don't know what that is, go to uh, mtcb.pwop.com or just, you know, bingle music to code by and you'll Absolutely. find it. Absolutely. So, and buddy, the, who's our winner? So today's winner is Luis Boccaletti. Congratulations. Luis, golf clap yeah. producer. Yeah, golf clap real clap. Yeah. No golfing. Just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club, he won that whole entire collection, all ten tracks. And, uh, you know, they're only five bucks a piece anyway, so but it's not about So we didn't money. give you anything good. So we that, didn't really give you anything true. of monetary value. It's great. Value. People really like it. Right. Uh, if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member. Which we just did. Of the .NET Rocks Elizabeth Room. Congratulations. Right. Yeah. It was last week. It was last week. We gave week. away the big prize, and she got a smart home kit. I yeah. thought it was very cool. That was Something awesome. different. Yeah. So yeah, some we guys actually sitting do in give the audience away. right here going, damn. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Next year. Next yeah. year. And we also like to ask our guest, Amir, if you uh, had five thousand dollars US to spend today on technology, what would you buy? Well, so I really like cooking and eating. Nice. Uh, who doesn't? Okay. We not, do not, too. Not a disorder, right? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the things that I started to look at is something that is a 3D printer for food, called Fudini. Oh, 3D printer for food. Fudini. Fudini. Fudini is a, three, a, three, a 3D food printer. Right. I love so, it. So I guess you it, couldn't really have a 2D food printer, could you? Well, you could try. <laughs> yeah, so it looks really nice, and it's just the beginning, of course, but okay. they're starting to sell it now, and okay. it costs something like... $3,000, I think. Yep. Yeah. I got to ask, what are the cartridges made out of? Like, what? what, what? what is, what's the raw materials that goes in? You, have you, like, you decide. Really? So you can take um, whatever ingredient you want. Mm. So you need to blend it, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah getting or, it smooth enough that they can right. drop so it. Right, so you can play also with, with this mixture of what you put inside. And how many different ingredients can you mix? I, I'm you not know? sure, but you can put a couple. And oh, you got it, it can either cook it as it prints. Yeah, yeah. 
And or you can take something and I don't know chocolate for instance yeah. and create all those kind of patterns and cookies based yeah. on that. So can I imagine cookies have got to be very popular with yeah, this thing. Yeah. And a, a pizza. Pizza. I mean, pizza sure. is sort of a matrix type food, right? Yeah. You could add toppings and things like that. It's all yeah, kinds but of you, toppings, you need yeah. to see if yeah. really investing in the machine for doing that or Great. doing it by yourself, what will be a better, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. better purpose. So well, they have pizza on the website. Yeah, I like the direction these things are headed, and it's really interesting. It's still now, in development, it looks like. They now, said no. that they're studying uh, at the beginning of 2016. There you go. So, so soon. Now, that, soon. that said, there's nothing I love more, and I'm not, I'm not the only one, but there are many of you out there who don't agree with me. Um, I love you know, getting up in the morning, l looking at what I got in the house, yep. going to the store, getting some fresh ingredients, coming back home, and cooking. Right. And that whole process to me is just wonderful. Right. Me too. Yeah. And actually, I really like to do it with my wife yeah. as, as an activity that we do, we do together. Yeah, yeah. And we like to go to cooking lessons together. Mm -hmm. So uh, this yeah. is a really nice thing that I hope I will get a chance to really invest my time in. Yeah, yeah. Maybe after the book. <laughs> sure. Oh, this is cool. I had not seen this product before. I will research it further. Okay. Thank yeah, you. I mean, That's a cool find. Thank we've you. heard about food printers before, but didn't know that there was actually anything you could buy. Yeah. That's well, great. almost ready to buy, but yeah. soon. That's only three grand, though. What are you going to do with the other two? Well, um, I'm not sure. HoloLens calls... 2,000, 3,000, 5,000? 3,000 This is something, also another thing that I yeah. would really like to try. The HoloLens uh, SDK kit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they uh, apparently have gotten tons of orders for it, too. So yeah. Yeah. There's a waiting but list. But it's not available for us in Israel, so uh, you, yeah. you need to be in the U.S. And even if you're in the U.S., you basically apply yeah. for yeah. the ability to buy one when they become yeah. available. For the privilege you know? of spending $3,000. The privilege yeah. of spending $3,000. I hadn't got a chance to really use it. Yeah. Only in the latest build, I got a chance to wear it, but yeah. it was off. Richard so, and I used it. Yeah, we were at the MVP summit. They were yeah. there. And it's I'm not sure very if, cool. So I'm not sure if it's like other products that kind of give you this nauseous feeling. No, not like at all. The yeah, seasickness. I hope, I hope not. I bet you could, if you wrote the right software, you could make someone nauseous wearing a... Uh, well, I think the, the nauseous factor with the Oculus Rift, let's say, right. is, comes from the fact that your entire view is composed, you know? Yeah. And when you move, you get the sensation of movement, or when you, you, know, you move through a game, or a, right. but your body isn't physically moving. With the HoloLens, you actually see everything plus stuff that's added to it and that stuff doesn't move it sticks to the table or the wall or whatever right. so it's not you don't get that yeah yeah so Same i would really really like to see this happen and well I, we were both really amazed yeah it's it's really yeah. spectacular yeah yeah amazing i want to jump back to the re reactive conversation because i realized i think my reflexes are wrong like, okay. like we were talking about, oh, yeah, I've got too much data coming in. And I think even you said this, Carl. You cue it. Yeah. Right? Like One way. You, and, it, and that's my reflex, you know, is coming from the enterprise perspective. I want to keep every transaction, every record in order. Right. And then I deal with all those issues, right? Like you want to suddenly add priority items in the queue. So now I need to do queue peaking. Like I started to code around the fact that I'm grabbing onto things that maybe I shouldn't have grabbed onto. Exactly. Your, yeah, your data storage and collection mechanism should be separate from your analysis, right? So, you know, the data is going somewhere, wherever it's going, and you could be just 
taking a stream out of that or thinning, like you, we were talking about thinning as right. well, just like fishing, just picking pieces out at a right, like, at a sample rate, you know, right. sampling so it. Exactly that is one of one of the areas that a lot of developers really are struggling with mm-hmm. this back pressure. Yeah. So right now in the community we see two aspects. One of them is what's called reactive streams, right. which is not implemented in reactive extensions, at least in the .NET space. In, in JavaScript, we do see this coming. Mm-hmm. And what this actually does is it allows a two-way communication between the observable and the observer. Mm-hmm. And what it means is that if the observable, the producer, is faster than the consumer, mm-hmm. the consumer can signal to this producer right. that slow down. Yeah, easy. Right, easy. <laughs> or, or stop. Or right. stop. Right. Give me a second. So basically what you get here is the ability of a hybrid approach of if the producer is faster than the consumer, we want to take it as a pool mode. Right. Yeah. And if the consumer is faster than the producer, we want to do it in a push base. Right. Right. Yeah. So this is the reactive streams approach. And there are implementation for that. Um, Aka, for instance, yes goes by that pattern, okay? So the actor can respond at, uh, and tell to the other actor that slow down. Yep. And the other approach is that uh, what we get inside the .NET space, for instance, is another library, which is the reactive extension brother or sister. How it depends <laughs> how you look at it. So this is the IX, interactive extensions. IX? So, IX. Interactive right. extensions. Right. So interactive extension give you a, a, a type which is called a, a sync enumerable. Okay. And basically what it does is just going by the pool approach only in an async matter. Hmm. Great. So you can still go and do things in an asynchronous way, but when you're done, you can call to this enumerable and say, give me the next chunk. Right. Right. I like that. Right. But it's a little more controls. So it's like, okay, I'm ready. Give me the next one. Give me the next one. Right. So this is currently the direction that the .NET space is moving toward. Right. But we need to wait and see. Well, I guess the question is, all right, I've told the producer, hold off. What does it do with the rest of the messages that are backing up on it? Right. Right. So if somebody's responsible for holding on to some messages or throwing them away. The fact that the, that the observer is telling the you know, observable, yeah, I don't want these right now, doesn't mean they went away. Shouldn't they be decoupled, though? Shouldn't your data collection process, as I said before, be decoupled from your process that's pulling data out of that and looking at it? I mean, it doesn't seem like they should be the same thing. Well, yeah, there, there are a few ways we can go with that, and there isn't one solution that fits mm. all, basically. It depends on the application and what it needs to do. So yeah. this is a common problem for every, yeah. let's say, consumer-producer architecture sure. of any kind. And basically, you need to decide what is more important. Do you want to lose items, or you want to store them and then replay them later? Right, yeah. So we can do something, and this is another nice thing that Reactive Extension gives us, is the ability to take some persistent source and replay it. Mm as an observable. Mm-hmm. So we can say that, okay, if I wanted to stop this observable, this source, right, and I wanted to put it inside some storage, maybe later I want to read it from the storage and revisit the past, basically, right? Start from that point of right. time. Or maybe I want to filter some of them first and then to replay it. 
So in reactive extension, we can have this kind of ability using the schedulers that knows when we have a special kind of a scheduler called the test scheduler that does exactly that. Right. You can really, um, um, really define what is the notion of time, mm -hmm. okay? Because time is just a relative thing. Mm -hmm. It can right. be an integer value that represents the time. And this scheduler can go and take each of these events and push them as a, into the observable. Now, right. what this means that it knows how to handle this internal timer of its internal clock, and when it goes and fetch the other event and want to emit it, it check what is the time and change its internal clock. So if I have all those operators that we discussed before that needs to handle time, like throttling, basically what it can now do is say that, okay, if the period of time between this and this has changed by the time span that was defined in this operator, I can really uh, simulate this event of, of scheduling that happened. So basically, we can make something that really needed to be on a long period of time and just do it in a shorter time, just simulating the, the duration of time just as values. Right. Basically. So this is a, something that uh, this is a, a different kind of architecture and something I'm envisioning. And just tell me if I'm crazy here. But let me give you a real-world concrete example. All right. So you've got a uh, pot still, and, <laughs> and you're distilling alcohol. Who would have and one of those? Some whiskey. All right. Good. Everybody's nodding. Got some whiskey. Can't and imagine. It, it's coming out of the still with in, from a pipe into, you know, being put into barrels. Into what? So barrels oh, for yeah. aging. So you've got a pipe with a steady stream of whiskey, all right? And now I want to test, my app needs to test the alcohol content of that, all right? So I'm not going to take the pipe and, you know, make a big vat and then suck it out and put it, in, you know what I mean? I'm, I just want to tap it. I just want to say, on your way to the barrel... Go through this, you know, sensor that tells me how uh, how Maybe much. You just take a little scoop of it. Yeah, and, and I don't even need to take a scoop. I can just put a poke a little sensor in there. Right. I just want to poke something in there in the stream, so that I'm not responsible for the whiskey getting into the barrel. I want it all to go in the barrel. Right. But I don't want to go to the barrel afterwards, drill a hole in it, and pull out, you know, right. test it there. So, does that architecture exist in in, uh, in with reactive? Just well, like a sort of a pipeline architecture. Right. So basically this sensor that you put, an IoT device, is just a source. So you can just take total notification and do whatever you like, like an aggregation or just a, a simple filtering to maybe start an alert yep. maybe at some right. time. But it doesn't change the data that's flowing to right. my storage. Yeah. Now what the, I do with it shouldn't affect it. Right. Now maybe on this scenario, you want to measure it over time and see the window of time, the sliding window, right? Yep. Yeah. What is the average concentration in this average time? Yeah, yeah. So we get it, right? Yeah. Inside the reactive extension world, we got this sliding window concept that we can add. Now, the question is, imagine the traditional way of doing such things. How do you test it? How yeah. do you test something that is time-based. Unit testing of something that involves concurrency and time run over time. Sure. It's really hard. Yeah. So once you get this abstraction of time, of concurrency with test scheduler, 
you can just take the query as is and just play with the sources of notification mm. and play with the time. You can simply say, I want to jump to this point of time. Let's Got see what happened. Okay. This is what I expect. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That make, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you, and you are effectively discarding the data in between. You don't care about the rest. Right. You just, at the window, you just yeah. want to see it the current week. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. It's yeah. really efficient, too. Sure. sure. Let me ask you a broader question here, Tamir. Is this a programming practice we should just be doing? Like, do you see apps that shouldn't be built this way? Like always, it depends. And it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. Right. Basically, I see, and I mentioned that there's two cases that we want to do. One is that you have some kind of a method right. that you want to do something, but you want to get those results yeah. that are being pushed. Because you don't want to wait until you get the, all of them. Right, this I, I mean, these we... results could be people entering data into a form. Like, right. it does, we always think in terms of high velocity streams of data, because that's where Rx came from. Right. But people typing into a form is a stream of data too. Right, right, exactly. So mm -hmm. one of the classic examples that we see in Reactive Extension is the example of entering text into a text box, and right. we want to do a search, a reactive search. As we go. As we go. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect yep. fit into these cases. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Right? Yeah. So I can't really say if there are cases that you don't want to use it, because in most cases, I see more benefits yeah. than problem. Right. But uh, some might say that it can add some complexity, but you, you might it just, what is the alternative? Maybe a good place to start is if you find yourself having to handle a lot of events. Right. That might be a good candidate for a reactive. Right. This that is might a be a good place to start. And actually, just recently I saw um, a project that someone did that wanted to take WPF yep. and make it portable. And he just implemented the entire WPF stack. Okay? And he changed the way that dependency properties are made mm -hmm. and exposed them as observables okay. from, from, the, from the inside. Mm. Right. Just because all those cases that are dealing with events and dealing with callbacks is hard. Yeah. So it really means that you can take almost any framework that you want that exposed event and just turn it into observable mm -hmm. and you will get more benefits than, than problems. Yeah. There are things that you need to know and people, developers tend to make assumptions about the way reactive extension work right. that might be really confusing. And I can give you an example. Just let's take for example that I'm doing I'm creating an observable, observable.range. This creates an observable that gives me a range of values, okay? And I'm doing dot .repeat, which right. means that whenever the collection finishes, I want to start it again. Mm -hmm. And I'm subscribing an observer to this, to this observable, right? That just print it to the screen. Yeah. Now, when you subscribe, you get back a subscription object. Right. This is the way that you can disconnect the subscription. Right. So right after this line of code, I want to dispose this subscription, mm. okay? Okay. Simple, I don't want it anymore. I don't want a simple application. Yeah. But basically what you did here is just an infinite loop. Yeah. Because once you did observable.range.repeat, you just say that whenever the collection, the range is finished, is completed, I want to start it again. Yeah. Now people that see that, that see this kind of code, immediately assume that reactive extension do something in, in the background, yeah. In the background. Magic. Right. Yeah. And reactive extension never does anything concurrently mm. unless it's being really uh, explicit about it. Right. Whenever there's something that introduces concurrency, 
you will see a scheduler that is one of the possibilities to change the execution context. But people tend to think that observables are something that is magical and they run in the background in some other thread. Right. And we should just be clear, I know this is the end of the show, but I should have said this before. When you say observable, you mean an iObservable collection right. or an iObservable object? I'm talking about iObservable, right? Yep. Not observable collection. That okay. It's really a collection that knows how uh, to notify I about observe, changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But iObservable is something that knows to emit notification of certain type. Yep. Okay. And we can create it from different types of yep. different things. It's basically, yeah. So, so besides your book, somebody who's listening to this is going, i got to get me some reactive. Where right. do you start? Well, the best place to start is reactivex.io, okay, okay. which is the portal for reactive extensions. Right. So basically in this portal we have all kind of material on the different operators and tutorials and of course books, recommendations, and if there are podcasts and, and webcasts and whatever. So this is the first place you want to go to, which will of course really direct you to um, the Git, GitHub yep. repositories that you can go and see examples and see the code. Everything is open source, which is great. Nah. And, and, in, and in every platform, too. Yeah. There's right. a version of Reactive for virtually everything. Right, and we use Gitter inside GitHub that you can communicate with the community. And great. we have in stack overflow the channels to ask the question and just get involved. Do you see any benefit to uh, Reactive extensions being folded into the language of C Sharp, let's say? Or do, would you like to see it stay separate? Mm, I'd like to see the events that are being used inside .NET Framework mm -hmm. being changed into observables. I think, yeah. it, I think it would be really, really nice approach and better, better way to handle. Just like that asynchronous operation are now being presented mm -hmm. as tasks. Right. Yeah. And not like with the async pattern that we used to do. Right. The same concept we see here task is when you want to do asynchronous operation that gives you one result, mm. and observable is asynchronous operation that gives you multiple. Yeah, multiple. right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, make observable sort of a first-class citizen in the typeset, really, is what you're talking about. And iObservable is actually part of the .NET framework. Yeah, sure. It's existing in BCL. Yeah. Only the library itself is not. Right. And mm. I'm not saying that the library should be .NET framework itself, because right. When it's outside the .NET Framework, you can evolve it much better yeah, and yeah, faster. Yeah, you can go faster. Right? Yeah, sure. But I want to see more iObservables being used inside different .NET Framework uh, components. So you'd like to see the .NET Framework team starting to use Reactive as part of the framework. Right. Uh, yeah, that that's not a small demand. <laughs> well, it makes a lot of sense. But it does make a lot of sense. Everything yeah. starts with a small step. Right? Absolutely, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Tamir, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure Thank having, you for having, you, me. having you with us. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one 
recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the MCC.